You are now tuned into Gaps in Our DNA. Welcome parents, siblings, relatives, friends, Curious George, and everyone in between. You are now listening to episode one entitled, Why Gaps? For now, we're doing 30 minutes to an hour every Sunday for your entertainment. And to be honest, it's our personal journal as well. Feel free to support and show us some love, and we'll always give it right back at you. Now on to the show. All right, guys. So we're doing this podcast. By the way, my name is Dominic, and this is my lovely, beautiful wife. Alexandra. And we're doing this podcast as a form of therapy and information, as well as general understanding of the gut and psychology syndrome. Um, This is coined by Dr. Natasha McBride for, you guessed it, autism spectrum disorder. So our son was recently diagnosed a couple weeks ago of ASD. Um, It was devastating for us and it causes a lot of discomfort as far as what to do next because there's not a lot of information out there. There's not a lot of modern medicine to teach you anything. And, you know, as Alex and I are both in healthcare, I'm a dentist and she's a nurse, um, we felt like we couldn't really look to there for any more help, so we started to search elsewhere. So far, we have been um, doing early intervention therapy with him. Mm -hmm. He is in daycare uh, about four days out of the week for about six hours in the day. And we also have been uh, to a neurologist where he uh, got a medical diagnosis, like uh, Hubby said, over a little over two weeks ago. And then we ran across two doctors, Dr. Sebi and Dr. Natasha McBride. And we just, after months, not months, but after weeks of research, and really, I mean, you know, waking up, dropping off our son in daycare and heading over and getting research done, we finally decided that GAPS was the best for our child. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different things out there trying to, I guess, dissuade you from believing any of this. Um, Ironically, a lot of this is really being streamed on by um, Jennifer McCarthy, who also had a son who was quote-unquote cured from autism, from, you know, homeopathic therapies such as healing the gut and ABA, which is applied behavioral um, therapy. Uh, um, therapy or what have you. And there has been a lot of different testimony, hundreds online of people who have not only recovered from autism, but um, different types of ulcerative colitis and uh, depression and schizophrenia. So it's very, very wide spectrum. But however, for the, for the sake of our podcast, we're going to be focused on the autism part, what we found out so far and how we're implementing that in our lives and in our son. So GAPS is also known as gut and psychology syndrome. And pretty much what Dr. Natasha McBride said was that a lot of these kids have what is known as leaky gut syndrome, which is due to, you know, all the allergies and not having enough uh, good bacteria to fight off all these toxins that they're getting from their food. So Dr. McBride pretty much said that with food and natural food at its best, 
as well as probiotics and a few few supplements that autism is reversible I guess in some way without you know people out there wanting to hang me for saying that but that's pretty much what she is saying and by following her book uh, and her diet you may not be able to cure your child or quote-unquote cure autism but you can definitely give your child a much better quality of life and that's exactly why I know I chose to do GAPS because there's so many diets out there such as the casein-free diet, the gluten-free diet, the, um, you know, some people go vegan. There's so many diets out there to try to figure out how to combat this increasing prevalent issue, which is autism, especially in our state of New Jersey, which I think at this point is 1 in 40. Yeah, it's 1 in 40 now, which is absolutely insane. It, it used to be one in a thousand, not too long ago. Um, a lot of people like to pin autism and disorders like it on genetics, but as any educated person knows, genetics requires millennia in order for any to any changes in the DNA to cause sequential things in generation after generation. For something like autism, which has been only increasing in prevalence all over the world, even in places like India. In Mumbai, I've read a lot of articles about Mumbai being incredibly um, dense in the autism um, families of people. Um, it all comes down to the diet and what people are eating. As you know, India has a billion people. Um, you can't possibly feed everybody a diet full of nutrient-rich foods. Um, so it comes down to the fact that a lot of these people are dealing with leaky guts, exposed um, toxins and just generally poor nutritional habits especially in our western diet now that you see today there's a lot of things we don't ask questions about a lot of buzzwords going around like gluten-free and organic and blah 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 and we think that you know these things are great or whatever but really what are you eating are you sure have you really done any research that's what led us to the gaps diet and there are a lot of skeptics out there. And as a mother, as a parent, if there's anyone out there listening who has a child with behavioral issues, if you do or are greeted with skeptics in regards to the GAPS diet, I'm going to tell you something that is working for me, and that is I'd rather try and fail than not try at all. If there is no genetic link to autism if autism is based off of environmental and it's raising and rising um, I'm sorry rising due to they say toxins and the foods that we're eating in the also in the air and everything around us that means that it can be controlled just like everything else that has ran rapid in history so if there's any parent out there, dad, mom, grandparent, sibling, who really is unsure and, you know, on the fence about this whole thing. If anything, just think of it this way, that you, that little one or that, that, you know, teenager or even that adolescent um, who's going through it, that you just rather try and do it the right way and hope for the best. Because I guarantee you, based off of our research, 
that we have dedicated hours to since um, coming across this diet. You may not get everything that you want, but a lot of the symptoms will decrease, not to mention other things that are not related to autism. That's for sure. And, you know, since we're on the topic as far as, like, autism and, you know, a lot of you are probably thinking, like, okay, like, what are they talking about? Like, stomach, like, diet and all this stuff. And I think it behooves us to just kind of, you know, I guess go over a little bit of biology. You know, forgive us, but I do think it's important for us to understand why this makes any sense. So um, I just want to give a quick shout out to um, Angela Taylor. She has a cookbook that she made, which is, you know, really good. And we um, we paid for it. We 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 were using some of her um, um, suggestions as far as like what to what to buy and how to cook it and different types of um, meals. And we really appreciate that. Angela, for all the help that you've made to make this such a, a more easily digested diet for us. So I just wanted to go down um, the rabbit hole a little bit as to explaining what goes on here. So basically, I think what we should look first at is gluten and uh, casein, which are very incredibly complex proteins found in most wheat products and dairy products gluten and wheat, dairy and, I mean, casein and dairy. So there's things in your body called enzymes. Enzymes break down proteins and allow us to easily digest them and put them into our cells so they can make the energy for us to go about our day-by-day, you know, lives. However, a lot of people, and you probably met some of them along your lives, have some issues with this digestive process. One of the main and most popular issues is lactose intolerance. Everyone probably knows somebody, and maybe you're one, who's lactose intolerant. It's because you don't have a certain enzyme to break down this lactose. Now, this is an extreme allergy, which really makes it obvious that there's an issue. And luckily for the people who are lactose intolerant, they get to move on and try something else, and they don't have to suffer from all the side effects of continuously consuming something that's that's hurting them. However, on the flip side, when a kid is autistic, they have issues in their gut that their body doesn't have the reflex to tell you immediately that something is wrong. So unfortunately, the baby or the child consumes and consumes these things that are harming them because it is feeding the flora in their, in their bodies, which are actually made up of mostly bad bacteria. And these bad bacteria don't allow the child to truly digest these um these foods and these proteins and they are actually released into the bloodstream in a more poorly digested way not just by the bad bacteria but also by problems in the stomach lining and the villi which are also damaged in these kids and they go into the brain and they cloud the brain so this is why when kids that are autistic get you know all types of brain scans and cat scans and mris everything seems normal because they do have normal brains they can recover The issue is that these brains are clouded by all the particles and toxins in the body that are incapable of properly being digested due to the fact that they either have a poor leaky gut or very bad flora coming in. And as a result, you have the GAPS diet. That's a lot of stuff, man. Yeah, it is. 
Well, if that was just an earful, which I can imagine if I was in your position, I would be like, what is he talking about? I talk too much. Then, you know, don't take our word for it. Pick up the book. It's called Gut and Psychology Syndrome, Natural Treatment by Dr. Natasha Campbell McBride. It is, I have, we have the revised and expanded edition. And she's actually coming out with uh, another edition or a more revised book, which kind of simplifies it because she goes into like, you know, a lot of physiological, you know, things. And if you don't have a medical or healthcare background, there are just two or three chapters in there that can kind of, you know, throw you for a loop. But pick it up, read it. It is knowledge. It is good to know whether or not you're going through it or just have some type of interest, pick it up. Trust me, pick it up. Well, let's, we're jumping around a little bit, but let's just touch on, you know, my pregnancy and my process because for the longest, I thought that I was just responsible for where my son was. I felt like, you know, did I eat a hot dog too many? Did I, um, you know, have a glass of wine too many? Did I yell too much? Was I too dramatic? What was causing this? What Am I responsible? And let's just say I felt like a monster. Um, my pregnancy was not planned. It was not expected. And it wasn't welcomed as well. But we're not going to touch on this psych part of it. Let's just talk more about my physiological experience. Overall, I had a pretty easy pregnancy. I didn't really have any symptoms such as, you know, morning nausea and um, frequent urination and um, heartburn and acid reflux and all these things a lot of pregnant women go through, you know, from the acne to the terrible back pain, even stretch marks, I didn't have up until the last three weeks of my pregnancy. But one thing did happen that was not uh, common was that it was my first, so my son went past his due date. He was actually um, semi-induced at 41 weeks. And when he came out, the first thing the doctor told us was, your son had a lot of mucus. First thing he told us, he said, that baby has a lot of mucus. And at the time, I thought nothing of it. But after reading books and articles on Dr. Sebi, as well as Dr. Natasha McBride, and seeing how mucus is just has a strong correlation to autism, it everything is starting to dawn on me now as to why my child is where he is today. As far as being induced, I did have Pitocin or Oxytocin hung up. And if you don't know, Oxytocin or Pitocin is used, a medication used to stimulate contractions in order for a mom to have the baby when the baby doesn't want to come out. So it was hung, but thankfully um, I never had to use it. I guess the little one got scared and just decided to come out on his own while in the hospital room. So I can't say that it was being induced that caused the autism, whereas some people say that. I personally can't say that because it didn't happen to me. But what I can say is that 
when Zachary was first born, being a young parent, I didn't know the right things to do. And I pretty much gave him the pacifier and threw an iPad in front of him as soon as he could move his little fingers, stuck him in front of a TV, and just wished that my life wasn't what it was. I went through postpartum depression, and I pretty much didn't give him the attention and the time that he needed. According to these books, the iPad time and the pacifier has nothing to do with where he is today. But if you read other articles and other journals from other doctors, you hear quite the contrary. You hear that ear infections, prolonged pacifier use, and prolonged tablet time and TV time leads to delays, developmental delays in children. So that's pretty much a quick recap with all the messiness in between of where we are today with little Zachary. And I think it's safe to say that when he was about um, two years old, he still wasn't talking. But everything else was there. He was fast, he was strong, he was a great eater, he loved to smile, loved to laugh, had great eye contact, and um, he walked at 10 months. I mean, he was just a regular kid, but he just wasn't talking. And as we tried to get him to speak, then we started realizing that the cognitive aspect wasn't all there. He wasn't understanding what we were saying. He wasn't fully grasping concepts that children younger than him were understanding. And I think that's when we knew something was up. We knew it wasn't severe. People around us kept telling us just to wait off and we're overreacting. But my hunch was right, and, you know, our son was delayed. Yeah, I mean, to compound on what Alex was saying, you know, things weren't easy in the beginning. Um, things definitely weren't easy on Alex. Things definitely weren't easy on Zach. And I wasn't helping with that much at all. But um, as far as what we know... Um, those are things that probably would cause more emotional and mood behaviors. And if there's one thing we say a lot, we say Zach's such a good kid. Um, we always say that it's something that we believe inherently. Um, I think wholeheartedly, Alex and I believe if Zach could just communicate and talk, we would have no, like, no issues at all. Um, but that's obviously a big deal, you know, for a kid who's going on three years old, moving into preschool. And I don't think we mentioned he's the size of a five, six-year-old. Um, he's already moving on to, f like, youth clothing. He doesn't wear toddler clothing anymore. Um, and he's still, at this current recording, not three years old yet. So when we take him out, you know, people expect him to be able to do a lot more than he can. And it breaks our hearts sometimes. We're always very anxious when people direct any type of, you know, uh, communication towards him just praying that he'd respond in a way that's appropriate for society and you know it's a it's very a lot of pressure I think we put on Zach we put a lot of pressure on ourselves and it's been a difficult journey and it's only been two years and Lord knows we have no idea how we would have um, been able to go through 18 years of this had we not been exposed to all this groundbreaking research and 
and ability to really try something that, you know, most modern medicine and, you know, Alex and I are in modern medicine. So we're not two hippies, you know, in, in, in the middle of nowhere. We actually are very well educated and we still do believe wholeheartedly in this diet. So, you know, at this, at this point, I know we're speaking very highly of it. We have no, you know, evidence that it works so far as far in our personal lives. This is actually the first weekend that we're going to start shopping for um, his produce. We're going to start, you know, really getting into making sure that we eliminate things that are um, gaps illegal and just put our heart and our effort into making sure that this process is done correctly so we have no regrets. Isn't that right, babe? Mm-hmm. No regrets. And we hope that you guys join us throughout this process. We can't say we know 100% what we're doing, but we know that this is the right way to go. And um, we're in for a ride, right, dear? Yeah, we're in for a ride, but um, I already feel better because I'm going through it with you. Aww. <laughs> and the crowd says, aww. Okay, guys, so thank you for tuning in, and we hope to see you guys in the next episode where we start to talk a little more about gaps and definitely how our first day went, which would be food shopping. Right. That will be tomorrow. Okay. Talk to you guys soon. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.